Hey there, welcome to the show. So I hope everybody's doing well this fine Sunday. You know, we've got uh, have a lot to talk about. I got to tell you, it's been a real active week in the media regarding real estate. And of course, with an upcoming election, this is uh, this is the time where people are going to make a lot of promises. So, you know, I, I do have some guests that are going to be joining me this week, uh, three of them to be exact. I've got Dave Butler from BM Select. Dave and I are going to talk about what you can do with the interest rate increases and, you know, what to be weary of. Um, a little bit later, I've got the CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association, former politician Tim Hudak joining me. And uh, I do want to ask him some pretty pointed questions when we talk about, you know, some of these campaign pr- promises. I'm not sure I believe most of the promises. So, you know what, I'll talk to Tim, get his take on it. And then later in the hour, I've got Bryn Lackey joining me. Bryn is a columnist as well as a realtor. Um, Bryn wrote an article that uh, Jerry Agar um, brought me on his show this past week. Real estate market stats speaking, but who's listening? So I'm going to bring Bryn in so we can talk about what's going on in the marketplace. And of course, I know most of you have been listening to, you know, a lot of the the stuff that is floating around. And, uh, you know, before I, uh, before I kind of go down the path, I do want to congratulate everybody that was part of our new release this past week. You know, uh, pretty exciting stuff, North Bay, London, Ontario. And yeah, you know what? There is still lots of room when people are talking about investment real estate in this world. There is such a demand for investment real estate. You know, the the tenants, they need good properties to live in. And so fortunately, you know, we had a great release. And uh, by the way, if you want to find out more about it, we do have a few left over. Uh, go to thesimpleinvestor.com. You can find out more about this newest release that we did. But um, let's let's talk about, you know, obviously the, the big uh, issue in the room, interest rates and where they are going and what people are thinking. You know, the perception that the market could drop. Um, we will see, obviously, the idea that we'll see a little less number of units being sold, but I don't really see a huge change in price. I'm not that naysayer that's saying the sky is falling in that all of a sudden we're going to see a 30% reduction. I think that's an absolute impossibility. So what I do see, though, is I see kind of what I would call more of a you know shift into neutral for a little while. So prices aren't going to keep going up as sporadically as they've been or as crazily. And yeah, you're not always going to get multiple offers. So this is why hiring a full-time professional realtor, you hear me say it all the time on the show, I think is going to be so important. You want somebody with experience through the tough times, you know, somebody that's experienced a downturn market and some upward pressure in the interest rates. We did see that happen, you know, back in in both uh, 2009, uh, from 2008, 2009, we saw it, you know, a little bit in 2014. We did see it, you know, quite extensively, 2017, 18, 19, you know, right into the pandemic. So, you know, it's, it's not... Um, uncommon for interest rates to rise. It's just the perception. Everybody thought they're going to stay low forever. Well, sorry, folks, that's not going to happen. But there are ways to make it easier uh, for you to manage through some of these times. And, you know, that's the one thing that I think people have to understand. You have options when you talk about mortgages. You have options when you think about buying. You know, what is the best thing to buy? So, you know what, without further ado, I'm going to bring in Dave Butler so we can discuss what he thinks are some of the best options. And Dave, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Todd. Appreciate it, as always. Always great having you on the show. So you and I uh, you and I have to have a good conversation because, you know, I keep getting these headlines thrown at me. I've been doing some extra interviews and people are saying, you know, interest rates are on the way up. You know, they want to get on the, the fence and... Uh, 
Where where do you think we are right now, Dave, when we take a look at the market? You know, we've got three-quarter of a point increase over the last little while. Potentially, we see, could see some more in June. What should people be thinking and doing today in this marketplace? Uh, it's an interesting question. I think, you know, we got to keep an eye on, you know, right now, the a lot of eyes in the mortgage business and in real estate should be on the five-year, uh, the Canadian five-year bond, the yield. Um, right now, we've seen it kind of leveling out a bit from its top. Um, that's a key indicator as to where the fixed rates are going. Um, we know that likely the Bank of Canada is going to raise the prime rate by half a percent in June. However, that's been a telegraphed move and the bond market would have been pricing that in. So now we really have to keep our ears and eyes open for that R word. You know, when we're seeing, I'm seeing on social media, a lot of this recession word talks like that. That would likely be the trigger that would push the bonds back the other way. Again, we there's you know when we got politics involved and so many things going on in the world, you know uh, we can't obviously make that decision right now. But certainly things are starting to line up where it may be you know maybe very advantageous to keep yourself in a flexible type rate. Something that if the rates do come back down, you're able to say lock in from a variable to a fixed possibly. Um, but right now to answer the question, Todd, most clients given the current climate, um, I would say that most of them are going with a variable. Uh, again, it's all based on risk profile, but certainly no one wants to lock in a five-year fixed at the top of the market. And I think we are at an inflection point where we may see where the next kind of next run of rates will go. You know, Dave, you and I uh, work with a lot of the same clients and, and obviously lenders. So, you know, we were just told uh, last week during my webinar that, um, you know, they're looking at, you know, half a point off of prime for a few of the variable rates, especially for, you know, the right investment. And, you know, 2.7% right now, that's where it would sit. You know, in my opinion, you know, jumping the gun and hopping into that, you know, 4, 4% fix, not the smartest play if we can turn around and kind of surf that variable rate. I know you have been a big advocate over the years. I think that most of your real estate that when you own, you keep around that variable rate because, you know, we haven't really seen too much that has exceeded, you know, variable rate being higher than, let's say, the um, the fixed rate. Really not something that we've seen too much historically. No, you're right. In 20 years of me doing this, I've, there's actually only been two time periods where the variable rate was higher than the fixed. And it was only for, I think, run, one time was roughly six months and the other time lasted, I think, almost a year. Um, and eventually it always goes back to where it is, which is in order to take a variable, you're taking on some risk. By taking on some risk, you get a better price. And that's always been kind of the mantra in the in the mortgage world. And certainly right now, when you have a run-up, and we've talked about this on the show, you always have to be weary about panicking at the top of a rate increase, right? A lot of people right now, we're getting the calls, oh my God, fixed rates are up, what do I do? That is kind of a panic scenario. And you always have to remember a lot of times in markets when that's happening, that's when the turn is, right? It happens in the stock market. It happens in all kinds of different markets. So, you know, again, I'm not a big proponent of locking in when you've got a, a huge run up. Again, no, we could be wrong and the fixed rates continue to sail. But right now it would appear that we've got a bit of a leveling off. And more importantly, we have to look at, you know, it is the government in a position to keep us flying up. Are Canadians going to be okay if the five-year fixed rate is 5.99? I don't know. I don't think that's something we want to test at the moment, given what we're coming out of. So Dave, you know, one of the things that um, you and I uh, have a lot of conversations about is making solutions, obviously, for people. 
And, you know, the one thing I forget, I think people forget is that they could change their, their term or sorry, their amortization of their mortgage. You know, the idea of potentially going out to a 30 year amortization, that does make a difference in their monthly payment, doesn't it? It's huge. I mean, we've actually had a staggering amount of inquiries from clients that have actually are coming up for renewal. And remember, when you're coming up for renewal, if you renew with your existing lender, you have to stay on your current amortization, right? So that's a big key to understand. But when you are up for renewal, if you want, instead of signing with the bank on that actual renewal, you can easily go market yourself, shop yourself out to all the different banks. Because it's a renewal, you can leave with no penalty. And I've been having a lot of our staff working with clients on extending their amortizations out when they're up for renewal. Again, it's no cost because you don't have to pay a penalty to the bank. And it's effectively a no-lose situation. If you want, because of the slightly higher rates that they're experiencing, they can certainly extend the amortization temporarily. And we've always said that we want to temporarily provide relief. Um, but certainly, you know, I want all my clients to be paying down their mortgages. So when we get to a time where rates and things seem more solid and concrete, then we can make a more kind of standard long-term plan, get them back into a lower amortization and focus on paying down the principal. But yes, for anyone looking for temporary relief, if you have a renewal coming up, that's an absolutely amazing time to approach your bank, approach your broker and say, hey, you know, with everything going on, I'd like to keep my payment a little low. Can I look at extending my amortization? And that's something you do. Now, you must requalify, and that's a key thing to understand. You won't just be able to get it by asking for it. You have to requalify. But assuming you do, assuming your credit and your income and everything works out, uh, once approved, you can extend your amortization all the way up to 30 years. Yeah. No, I think that's some great advice because, again, you know, there are those people, as, as you said, they hit the panic button right now. And, you know, especially... You know, with and I'm gonna say it. You know, the media hits some misleading headlines, and I'm, I'm sure you get the same feeds that I do. And you know, you look at them and say, "Come on!" Like, you know, it's almost like they're 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 trying to scare people into reading the article. And when I see that, it it really is a little disturbing because, quite frankly, I think there's a lot of misinformation that floats around. But you know, the most important thing is, Dave, as I say to everybody, you know, education is key. And in in the in the case of mortgages, you know, I don't think there's uh, anybody more professional than you and your team. So if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Yeah, they could give us a call. one 684 They can also shoot us an email. Our, our main line on the email is info at bmselect.ca. And as always, love working with anyone listening to the show. Uh, it's the, you guys actually, you have the, you have some of the funnest clients to work with because they're a lot of times extremely educated and putting plans together is quite easy. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining me today, Dave. Appreciate it. Thank you. And that was Dave Butler from BM Select. Hey, listen, coming up after the break, I've got Tim Hudak, CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association joining me. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. As I mentioned just before the break, my next guest joining me, he's no stranger to the show or the station. He is CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association, Tim Hudak. And Tim, welcome back. Hey, Todd. Thanks for having me back on the show. Hope you're having a great weekend. You know, I always do, Tim, when I know that I can come in on Sunday and do some work, but always great having you on the show. And, you know, you and I haven't spoken in a little while. I think we've got a lot to unwind today. And of course, you know, I know a lot of people will remember you're a former politician. You know, you were the, the, the head of the Conservative Party here in Ontario. 
And, you know, I just I, I, I need to get your take on this upcoming provincial election. You know, I, it must kind of get you, you excited, you know, because you've, you've been a politician for many, many years. Now the CEO at Aurea for now quite a few years. Uh, maybe you can tell me, you know, what's your take on the upcoming election and some of the promises that are being made? Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks. I just on the personal side, you're absolutely right. I was uh, 21 years uh, uh, elected as a representative for for Niagara area and a bit of Hamilton. And it, it it is exciting, right? It's like the Super Bowl is being played. And if you used to be on the field, you, you do enjoy seeing how the players uh, line up and the plays that get called. So I'm really tuned into it. And <laughs> you might have been like this too, Todd, like on a personal side. Remember how when you finished off in, in college or university, you'd still have flashbacks a number of years that you had an exam you hadn't finished or a project that was due. <laughs> sort of have those flashbacks, just like school starts in September, you feel like there's a campaign going on. <laughs> I, I should be there. So it's kind of funny on a personal side. Um, with my new hat on as CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association, what I'm particularly excited about, um, Todd, is that issues that you've been talking about for a long time uh, on air that I've been talking about now are front and center in the election campaign. The notion of housing affordability, the great Canadian dream of having a place to call home, is got to be a number one, two, or three issue uh, at, at least. I've not seen housing as a top issue like that in the past. That's good news for people who are struggling to find a home and for their moms and dads who desperately want to see them succeed and get a great place. So I'm, I'm going to throw you a bit of a curveball here, Tim, and I'm going to ask you just you know, point blank. What is affordable? You know, you and I have, you know, watched the market change, obviously, over the last several decades. You know, you've had home ownership, you know, for many, many years. You know, we always hear the word, people talk about affordability. And then we take a look at, you know, a lot of campaign promises saying we're going to create affordable housing. And I, and I know it's not for, you know, let's say people that can't technically afford it. Like, we're not talking about government housing as much as we're talking about, you know, giving people an opportunity to be able to purchase but what does that definition mean? Because, you know, I always struggle with it. You know, I, I, I believe that we need housing that's affordable. And really, what does what does that look like? Yeah, a, you could probably write a, a PhD dissertation on what the technical definition of affordable means. When I talk about it, you know, I'm focusing on affordable home ownership. And I'm happy to talk more about rentals and such. We need more there, too. But our big focus is on having a place that you buy, you can invest in. And then as you retire or get a move up home, you can sell off and see an improvement uh, in the value of that home. So the way I look at it, Todd, what we really need to do is have prices at a, at a level to income that the rate of home ownership starts going back up again. We used to have a, a great story here in Canada that home ownership was the bulwark of the middle class. If you're middle class, you had a home. If you want to join middle class, you, you got a home. And Canada's history had seen that that rate of homeownership had gone up every year since Confederation. Every new generation had a better shot at owning a home than their parents and certainly the grandparents. That's a great thing that built our middle class and made it a strong social fabric until 2016. And that started heading downhill. Homeownership is harder to reach. It's in decline. So my definition of affordable homeownership, one that will help us get that level back up, over 70% of adults should be owning a home. That's been our history. I want to get us back there. Yeah. And that's, that's a number that as you and I have seen over the last little while has obviously dropped. You know, it did get into the mid sixties. We see more people that are tenants. Now, Tim, just to, you know, touch on this for a second, because when we talk about the percentage of Canadians that own, what about the, the fact that we are also introducing more new immigrants into Canada? You know, federal government opened up the borders a little bit more. 
you know, if we're, if we're bringing in 500,000 people per year, we, we've got to know that most of those people are going to be tenants first. So does that not skew the numbers a little as well? It depends how quickly um, you're bringing in uh, immigration. It hasn't in the past. Well, immigration is definitely going to be up at a higher rate than, you know, in, in my lifetime and in yours, Todd, I suspect. Uh, that's not the case for early parts of Canada's history, where we're actually bringing in you know, more immigrants in the last century as a proportion of population we do today, but we're able to get them homes. So I, I think a couple of things here, um, you know, coming from a, uh, my grandparents were immigrants, uh, what they try to do as soon as they got here from what was then Chuck's fact is they bought a house, saved up every penny they had, they rented out the upstairs to help make the mortgage payments because they believed in its value to raise a family that came from a country that had fallen to the communists for private property you know, was being erased. They just believed in it. And I think the vast majority of immigrants, well, they may start as renters, you know, follow those steps that my grandparents uh, took. So what does that mean? Number one, we need to increase our housing supply, both for people who are born here in Canada, that are looking for homes and new arrivals. And secondly, I think we could shift our immigration system to bring in more people in the trades. You know, right now there's a scarcity of people in the trades. It's one of the reasons why we're not building as fast as we should. You can help solve two problems at once by having skilled tradespeople helping increase housing supply that middle class families can afford. Tim, I'm going to ask you to put your political hat back on. I know you have to dust it off. Um, (laughs) But the biggest thing, you know, that we're hearing with some of these campaign promises, they are talking about increasing the inventory. And, you know, you and I have had these conversations in length over the last few years about the lack of inventory. But some of the numbers that they're proposing, I think, is a little bit staggering. You know, they're all of a sudden going to, over the next 10 years, commit to building, you know, 1.5 million houses or residents, let's say. You, you know, it, it's a physical impossibility. You just touched on something that we are in desperate need, and that's the tradespeople. You know, we've got a lot of them retiring over the next 10 years. It's kind of, you know, a dying breed to a certain extent. How is it possible that, you know, when campaign promises are making a commitment saying, we're going to build this many homes, when we full well know it's an, an impossibility, how do we, how do we you, know, you know, figure this out? Who do, who do we sit there and believe and those numbers are astronomical. Yeah, I'm a bit more positive about it than, than you are, Todd. And I, I get where you're coming from, but let me tell you why. Um, we fell into a huge hole. We, we actually you know, built fewer houses in the last two decades in this province than we did in the 1970s, right? Like that's nuts. And no wonder we're in a hole with more people chasing fewer and fewer houses. So at least we've set a target. And that target of 1.5 million homes over 10 years comes from a task force that I had the honor of sitting on, the Housing Affordability Task Force. And the reason we picked that number was, if we're looking at the increase in population from Canadians uh, who are moving into the housing market and new immigrants, we have to build about 1.2 for increased demand over that time frame, and then probably an additional 300,000 to catch up with the undersupply in the past. So that's why that target is there. It's good to have a target. Is it ambitious? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of catching up to do. But on the positive side, the positive side, last year, we hit the, the 100,000 mark, and that's the best we've done in 30 years. So at least I'm seeing some light here, Todd. We're heading in the right direction, and we laid out some ideas on how to get the rest of the way. Well, you know, it's interesting, Tim, because, again, I'm not, I'm not a naysayer. I'm trying to be a realist, and I know yep. that, you know, it will take time to build up that momentum. And with the current situation with, again, you know, we're dealing with some construction issues. We're d- dealing with supply chain issues. 
you know, I think the 18, the next 18 months, I, I don't know if we're going to achieve that maximum number. And my concern is, is that if we're, if we're truly trying to put more inventory in place so we can actually have more affordability, I just think that it's a little bit longer in the future than what we think. Yeah, I think you're making a very um, reasonable and balanced point there. You know, my point of view on these things, my time in politics or as CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association is if you don't measure something, you're just practicing. And if 100,000 was the best we've done in, in 30 years, we're not going to hit 150 next year. But at least we have a trajectory in which to judge ourselves. The other thing this does is it will hold politicians' feet to the fire. And I know you're going to do this, Todd, on, on, on your program and in your business, and I'll do this in my job, is to push them towards that goal now that we've all agreed upon it. And that's going to mean standing up to the NIMBYs who are, you know, gotten to the point where they call it banana now, build absolutely nothing anywhere near anyone. Like it's getting ridiculous. <laughs> to speed up the approvals process, to stop all this nickel and diming um, on, and red tape that drives up costs before you put a shovel uh, into the ground. And tossing out some 1970s bylaws that are restricting housing that families can afford, especially for starter homes. So uh, I see it. Yep, it's an ambitious goal. We're not going to get to it right away, but we got something to hold our feet to the fire and we've got ideas on how to get there. You know, and that's a perfect uh, spot for us to leave it. Um, folks, when we come back from the break, I'm going to have more with Tim Hudak, CEO of Aria. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest right now is Tim Hudak. He is the CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association. Of course, you might remember Tim from being the leader of the Conservative Party uh, for the province. And Tim, just before the break, you and I were talking about, you know, some of the commitments that people are making on the campaign trail. And I know you are an advocate of change and trying to get, you know, more properties built. Of course, I'm the naysayer coming out swing and saying, look at, I haven't seen you guys, you know, the, 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 the builders of the, for the government really get to the end result. And I think that we've got a little bit of a longer runway than we'd like, but you know, when we talk about the market, you know, we can't forget that we are also now in a, and, and, and I'll preface this by saying we're in an interesting position, but we've been here before with some upward pressure on interest rates from the bank of Canada. Of course, they're trying to, you know, offset some of the heating of the market and inflation. Tim, you know, we had such record low interest rates. I mean, it was the lowest we've ever seen basically in Canada when the pandemic hit. And now that they're coming off the bottom a little, people are getting a little bit antsy. And, you know, they, you know, you hear this nervousness in the market. Tell us how you feel about this and, and what you see in the association. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the, the great um, joys I have in the job is, is not only talking to real estate professionals uh, like yourself, Todd and realtors right across the province, whether, you know, from, from Port to Port Dover along Lake Erie to Ottawa to Kenora, you know, the big city of Toronto. And when interest rates went up, I think some concerns around cost of living, gas prices, that sort of thing, but largely the interest rates that translate into higher mortgage rates, there was a tempering in the market. And uh, you, you see that play out in, um, in April uh, numbers. What this reinforces to me is, is, is two things the importance of getting the advice from your professional realtor that understands, you know, where prices are going, the neighborhood, what's going to happen in your backyard or down the street and can talk about the the returns from investing in the market uh, now and, and keep you thoughtful and balanced because the realtors have seen ups and downs in the past. And, and number two, you know, I, I think it was, uh, it, it was healthy to have a bit of a tempering. I heard from a lot of realtors that things were so crazy out there. And it was really putting a stress on you know potential buyers and sellers, but I, I do think that demand is going to remain strong going forward. 
As you mentioned earlier, we have a significant amount of immigration coming to our province. We have an undersupply of homes still. While mortgage rates have gone up, they are still relatively low for our lifetimes. And you've got the bank of mom and dad, uh, you know, and they've earned it. God bless them. They worked hard and saved their money, but they're there to help finance uh, their kids. So you're seeing a lot of transfers uh, to the next generation to buy a home. And last, the economy seems to be doing, you know, much better. All of that tells me that while we may have tempered right now, I, I do see the demand uh, driving up prices going forward because of those variables. Yeah. And Tim, you know, a couple of things when we talk about, obviously, you know, interest rates, we had experiences and and you were actually, you know, the CEO of ARIA at the time when we started seeing the upward pressure in, you know, 2019 to even the very beginning of 2020 before the pandemic hit, you know, we started seeing interest rates. We did see three and a half, four, four and a quarter for your fixed rate. You know, we did see the variable come into the threes. So it's not, you know, I, I feel that some people are a little bit short-sighted because now, you know, when we start hearing it, the the newspapers, a lot of these articles, people are sitting there almost saying the sky is falling, you know, market's going to adjust. I uh, I take exception to some of it, and, and I'll tell you why. Because as we, as you and I have been talking so far today, we know that we do have an inventory shortage. We know that there is more buyers in the market, period, bar none. So people that are consumers that need to own their first property or move up. So I don't think the demand is ever not going to be there, not now or in the near future or for, the, for that matter, the next few decades. I think that just we have this perpetual inventory shortage. So the catch up is almost going to be impossible. But I think what we have is just people kind of you know, taking a breather. And when we take a look at the market, we take a look at the heat that we have sustained for 18 months. You know, I'm actually comfortable with the market slowing down a little, you know, returning the transaction into a little bit normalcy. So so people aren't making mistakes going into a property. Are you seeing this in the in, in, your, in the agency? Are you seeing this with the people that you're dealing with? Yeah, absolutely. And, and Todd, I appreciate the, the, the term you use there, a breather, right? The investment will, is a still smart investment to make. I'm confident of the demand supply equation does mean prices moving up, um, but a bit more time to make those decisions. And you're absolutely right. I mean, that's why they should listen. And people are listening to the Todd C. Slater show that the, the general media really have two headlines, right? It's either skyrocketing prices or market crash. <laughs> bad, bad news travels. They like to get the uh, sort of the clickbait there. But when you're making the biggest investment of your life and so consequential to your family, listen to the experts, work with your realtor, listen to your show. You can get the perspective on the kinds of ups and downs in the marketplace and keep the focus on the smart investment for the long run. Yeah, I, I definitely appreciate the, the the kudos there, Tim. You know, the biggest the biggest thing, and, and you know, I know you used to do this with your show because you had me on, and I know it's one of the things you work with, you know, obviously, Aria, is education. And I think education now, especially whenever we see any kind of change in a marketplace, I think education is probably the most important thing that people should be able to get at this point. So they're not just guessing. And I'm finding that these headlines leave people guessing. You know, when you see something that says, you know, market downturn at 40%, yeah. you know, I, I find that staggering that that's even allowed to be a headline. Because my problem is, is that, you know, if you don't read it correctly, people are thinking that the prices are crashing. Well, you know, we had, we had basically the number one year last year as far as volume, you know, 126,000 transactions in the GTA. That, that is staggering when you think about it. So when we take a look at, you know, something, you know, 
quieting down a little. It's not like we didn't have an incredible start to this year. You know, the first few months were incredible, like the volume, the pricing. So for us to actually have a little bit of a pause, I think is actually going to be healthier for let's say the the other half of the year in the future. No doubt, no doubt about it. I mean, home ownership is, is a proven investment that pays off over time for generations now. Probably, you know, you can't ascribe a value to that, but to me and my family, it's even more important. It's where we raise the kids. It's the place for fondest memories where you can really be yourself. And that was highlighted during COVID as a place of safety and security. And that's why Canadians for generations, and I referenced my grandparents earlier, believe in home ownership. But be smart when you're going to be putting money out of, of that sum, you know, work with your realtor, do your research, don't react to the headlines. So, you know, a fact that um, I think Churchill said this, that bad news travels around the world before truth gets its pants on. So stay calm when you see things like that and get professional advice and get the facts. Well, Tim, I'm not going to ask you who you're voting for. I know that um, you're definitely going to be, you know, encouraging a candidate that's actually going to deliver on real estate. So what do you think the rest of the year is going to plan, uh, take a look at? So, you know, we've got we've got the June election. You know, hopefully we get the right people in place that are going to focus on the real estate market. Um, what do you see the rest of the year looking like? Yeah, so a big part of what we're doing uh, right now, and if the government is reelected or a new government in their place, it is on getting that um, the new supply, particularly for first-time home buyers, move-up buyers, and quality rentals. And if your listeners uh, want to see our plan, they can go to a homeforeveryone.info. Again, a homeforeveryone.info that lays out our plan to you know, help out first-time home buyers uh, get into the marketplace with a, a doubling the land transfer tax credit that already exists, uh, getting rid of some of these outdated bylaws, uh, getting dirty money out of real estate from uh, money laundering, and giving greater rights to property owners to put on duplexes, triplexes, townhouses, right? The kind of housing that gets your foot uh, on the ladder when you get into the marketplace. Also, Todd, if you're interested, I mean, June 2nd is election day. It's only a few weeks away, but we're breaking down each party's commitments. We've seen the Liberals, the New Democrats, and the Green. We're looking for the PC plan soon when it comes to home ownership. I'm glad to give you a detailed breakdown, but I will say that I'm very happy to date that a lot of the ideas that Aria has put out there have been embraced in plans of all parties. But we would encourage uh, your listeners to contact their MPP, say, you know what, I saw this at a, a homeforeveryone.info. Great idea. I'll vote for you if you get this stuff done. So my daughter, who played by the rules, got a degree, got a good job, can finally get a place of her own she can afford. Yeah. Well, I think, Tim, that's some great advice. And uh, listen, as usual, great having you on the show. Looking forward to maybe doing a follow-up at the after the election. Then we can maybe, you know find out who who's in power and what they're going to do for real estate. But once again, uh, Tim, great pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much for joining me. My pleasure. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Thanks for having me back, Todd. Folks, that is Tim Hudak, and he is the CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association. Hey, when I come back, I've got Bryn Lackey joining me. So make sure you stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. As I mentioned just before the break, my next guest, uh, she's no stranger to the show. Uh, Bryn Lackey is actually a columnist and a uh, realtor. And just recently, I was on with Jerry Agar, and Bryn had written a column that uh, we had addressed. It was called Real Estate Market Stats Speaking, but who's listening? So I did talk to Jerry about it, but you know what? I figured, we, you know, why don't I bring Bryn back onto the show? And Bryn, welcome back. Hi, thank you so much. So, you know, it's interesting because I think I think your your column that you wrote actually caught a lot of attention. So, so much that, you know, a couple of people asked to interview me on it, and I figured, you know what? Why not talk to you about it? Because 
again, we've got a little bit of a shift in, in real estate and what's going on. So maybe you can elaborate for us. Mm-hmm. Well, I think real estate is so funny because you're dealing with um, buyer and seller psychology so much. So stuff that we will see, you know, people say on, you know, on the ground, it makes it sound very important, but um, <laughs> that we'll see out and about. Um, it takes some time for that to be born in data. So there were a lot of agents saying things were feeling funny or things felt a little soft. And then we saw the April numbers and it was like, aha, we've got some data to support what has been pretty much entirely anecdotal. Um, And so that was the interesting part because it was finally giving a little evidence to support the fact that when we're seeing offer nights go from 10 people to three people, that is a sign of something coming. Yeah. You know, but Bryn, one of the things that, and, and I don't know if you agree, but I'm okay with that kind of phasing out a little. In fact, I think that, you know, as, as agents, I think it's been a little bit easy for the last 18 months, you know, lack of inventory, lots Mm -hmm. of buyers, low interest rates, you know, traditional real estate kind of went by the wayside for some, I'm not saying for everybody, but by, for some, and it was more of an order taker place. And I think when a market shifts like this, I think when it takes a little bit longer, perhaps, you know, we have to hone our skills in the industry to make sure that we're representing both parties the best that we can. And so when you see a shift in a market like this, um, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm not concerned about pricing because I don't think we're ever going to just all of a sudden, you know, have it go backwards because I just think there's such a shortage. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think, um, I've been calling for this for a while saying, you know, as great as this, you know, pandemic rally has been to witness only in the sense that it's made no sense and we've witnessed it and it's been just such a force. Um, you know, some moderation would be great having prices, Someone said, oh, prices are going to hover now as if that's a bad thing. Well, no, that's a that's a good thing. Um, I think that things calming down mean that sort of the market dynamics can go back again. Um, I think that when we're talking about th- whether things are going to hover, when whether they'll go down, whether they'll you know crash, I think it depends on who you talk to. Um, this call, last week's column, I've never received such mean emails as I did to that one. There is something about um, the idea that everything could still be okay with the market, that even if there is a correction, it won't be severe. Or um, even the people who firmly believe in their core that real estate only goes up. It's it's an interesting time because so much is in flux. Well, you know, and, and I'm not sure how many of the, the naysayers came at you and started saying, you know, it's going to correct by 30%, you know, it's overinflated. But you know, that's always that supply and demand. And so a lot of people are now bringing up the fact that they say, okay, so, so interest rates go up and, and, you know, they're going to go up a little bit more. And it's not that this isn't foreign to us. I mean, we, we were sitting in the 3% variable rates back in, you know, 2018, 19, you know, we were sitting at, you know, almost four, four and a quarter for fixed rate mortgages. So this isn't, this isn't something that's, that hasn't happened before. But now all of a sudden you've got these people that are saying, oh, all buyers are going to run away. They're not going to want to buy if interest rates go up a little. So that means the market's going to crash. What's your take on that? It's funny because I, it depends on the day. Some days I see what's happening out in the suburbs in the pre-construction space. And I think that that might be the canary in the coal mine, right? Like some of the February prices were just so outrageous and people threw down deposits for pre-construction projects based on February numbers. And they will never be able to close on those. They never plan to close. But now prices have declined out there, in some cases by hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's going to be a huge problem. Do I think that that's, you know, that the GTA is a monolith? Absolutely not. I think that we're still seeing bidding wars. A $16 million house in Forest Hill sold in two days last week. 
Um, you know, I, I think that it's uneven at best, but in the central core where people want to be, where people need to be for work and where, you know, incomes are strong, I don't think we even have um, the possibility of the crash. Do I think prices could go down because affordability shifts and people might be a little more rate sensitive because of the broader stuff going on? I think that's more likely to be the case. We have broader economic issues that might just cause people to take a little pause. Um, but in terms of the market dynamics, just suddenly shifting on a dime, I just don't see how that happens. And when we talk about, obviously, the economy and what's going on in the world, you know, cost of oil, things like that, pressure, upward pressure. I mean, gas is just getting silly and it doesn't need to be. You know, we're watching a huge bounce back in the Calgary real estate market. You know, the numbers are up there. People realize that there's, you know, it's undervalued because it was because of the situation. But now when we take a look at Toronto, you know, I would imagine uh, the Toronto condominium market is actually going to become a little bit more attractive. People will want to be closer to transit. They're going to want to be closer to work if they're working mm-hmm. in, in the core of the GTA. So this is where, you know, some some people, are the naysayers are out there saying, oh, the condominium market's going to crash. I actually disagree with that because I look at the big big picture and say, but if you don't have to drive and we know we've got upward pres- pressure on gas prices, does it not make more sense to live in the city? 100%. And especially when so many people moved out of the city thinking, oh, I'll just come back in here and there. I think the whole pied-a-terre thing will be uh, a thing again. I also think that there are a lot of people who, even if they're priced out from what they want to own, they've now seen what the train through pandemic has done, where they know that the way, you know, there's still a belief that you get in with what you can afford. And even if you rent it out, the rental market is strong. They can keep doing what they need to do to have appropriate space for a family, but they can own a condo that they rent out to at least get going. Um, So I don't think that changes. I also think the condo market, it's funny because I'm listing something today, in fact, and I really had to mine the numbers for the, it's around Young and St. Clair. And I mind the numbers and everyone's saying, oh, it, you know, it could be shifting. Things are actually sitting for two weeks. Well, that's not a bad thing. Like that's how it should be. They, we're just so accustomed to if things don't sell within six days, it gets canceled, it get re, gets relisted. And then it, you know, it has to sell in two days then. Um, I think just the normal market rhythms, it would be welcome at this point. Yeah, I think that mindset that you're referring to, you know, it was, you know, before the pandemic, you know, things could take 30 days to sell and we had a little bit higher interest rates, pandemic hits, they, you know, dropped the bottom out of interest rates. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden when people figured out how to sell properties, all from, as you know, things started to speed up, speed up, speed up. And now it was the bait and switch. Let's underprice a, a listing so we can turn around and attract a whole lot of buyers and interest rates are low, so people are just like basically throwing caution to the wind. You know, you mm-hmm. get those 80 offers on a property, and now they think that's normal. And, you know, having been licensed for 30 years, you know, I have to like, I, I kind of want to scream through the microphone sometimes, <laughs> is that's not normal, you know? It's just, no. you know, what people, an 18-month window snapshot in the world of real estate is not the norm. In fact, it was the exception where if we can, you know, take a look historically, look, 30 days in a marketplace is a healthy, healthy market. And it gives gives the opportunity to the best buyer to be able to purchase. Yeah. And in the 90s, houses were listed for three months and they would do incremental price reductions and then it would negotiate and you would land on a sale price. And that was not considered, that was sort of after everything had recovered. 
but that was how it went. And we're, I think we're also such a faster moving generation now, or just life is so much faster that, you know, I would love to see the stats on how many registrants we now have in the Toronto real estate board um, from just this COVID period, because I think, you know, from the outside, it's not hard to understand why people are frustrated by us as an industry. It seems like we just slap a sign on the lawn and then it just goes nuts. And then we go cha-ching and then off we go. Um, I think the other part of that, that is kind of important because I think you just referenced it with, you know, you underpriced to create the frenzy. It's also really hard to price things right now and, or it has been, and it's getting a little bit better now, but when you were sitting there and you were pricing a house to bring it out and the house across the street sold for let's one, two, you know, six months ago, how do you even know what the market, how to adjust for the appreciation in that period? So what you would do is you would underprice it because it's such a fast moving target. And then you would let the market fine tune the rest. You know, I think it became also something born out of necessity for a while there. And if we can let that be a thing of the past, I'll be thrilled that I am listing something today where we're actually doing offers anytime. I have not done that in oh seven months, eight months. I can't even remember. Wow. Well, you know what, hopefully, uh, hopefully we see a balanced market. I don't think we're going to see a crash, you know, if anything is a soft kind of neutral landing, but, um, Bryn, listen, always a pleasure having you on the show. I really appreciate you joining me today and I look forward to chatting with you in the near future. Thanks so much. And that's Bryn Lackey, columnist from the Toronto Sun, and she's also a realtor. I do want to thank everybody for joining me this week. I want to thank Tim Hudak, CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association, Dave Butler from BM Select and Bryn, of course. From, columnist from the Toronto Sun and uh, I do want to thank Ian he keeps it simple for me every single week and most importantly thanks for tuning in because you are making us the number one real estate talk show as usual by the way I will be back next Sunday I'm your host Todd C. Slater you've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010